Are you tired of hearing mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you come to the right place, a space where healing is central, but also normalized. Your hosts, Donika and Myra, who are in the mental health field, will explore topics to help promote healing in your everyday life. Through our podcast, you will get the real and the work to focus on your healing. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. All right, so you all, we're back again with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. Um, and so we're just going to go straight into it with our next guest. And so uh, today we have Janae C. Johnson, and we're going to introduce her in a second. But you know, we, all, we always start with a random scenario. So, Janae, I'm going to hit you with a random scenario. You ready? Yes. Okay. So, um... How do you think your life would change if you never slept? <laughs> if I never slept, um, I actually think I, I don't think I would be able to function that well for a long time. And then I think I would be able to function at a very high rate, if that makes any sense. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think I can, there are stretches where I can be really creative and I can just go, go, go. So I would look forward to that, but then I'd be scared for the crash um, after I don't get any sleep for a little while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sleep is so crucial. Like, How crucial? I feel like, yeah, I feel like, you know, you just be irritated and you just, like, you need those few moments to not have to think <laughs> it's so true I'm actually kind of in this process of getting myself back into like a sleep ritual because so often it's like you're going to bed at any different time you're still up on your phone and you're not sleeping well like I want to go to sleep and actually feel rested mm-hmm. when I wake up so I'm trying to just readjust my life so that I can have some good sleep Mm-hmm. absolutely well thank you for you know having some fun with that little random scenario um so i'm going to go ahead and introduce you so today's guest you all is janae c johnson janae is a therapist author and speaker as a coach mentor author and motivational speaker janae empowers teens young women and their mothers to live healthy emotional lives topics include teen depression healthy dating self-esteem and conflict resolution to name a few topics she just recently recently published a journal for mothers and daughters with the focus on their communication titled dear daughter her work in the mental health space with the focus on teens has taken her down many avenues of mental health conferences panels and also her own private practice working with both individuals and groups so yes um we welcome you janae and we're so happy to have you and so we're gonna go straight into with the questions. Yes. yes. So describe how you begin to find your passion in working with teens. Oh my gosh. So my passion was actually my life story. So I decided to work with teens because I was a teen that probably needed a me when I was growing up. Um, I I dealt with teen depression. Um, but I had no idea what it was. No one ever gave me the language. But when you look at the symptomology, I'm like, oh, wait, that was me. Like, I lost interest in activities. My grades plummeted. 
I, then I couldn't sleep, then I had insomnia and I would just be up all night, just sitting on my sun. Um, I had a sunroom, just looking at the stars. I swore I knew all the stars. Like, wait a minute, that's a new star. Cause I, that wasn't here when I looked three weeks ago when I'm up at 2 a.m. Um, so I really had all of these symptoms of depression essentially. And I had no idea what it was there were no adults that stopped and said hey you may be dealing with this or you know here's someone to talk to I mean luckily there were other adults that came in to help me and to be supportive and cheerleading ended up saving my life but I still struggled like really really badly Mm -hmm. um and then when I was going to so I took a psychology class in high school my sophomore year And the teacher told me that it was for upperclassmen, but she was like, but you're good. You're really good at this. So I'm gonna let you stay. And I was like, okay. And it was like one of the first classes that I fully felt like, oh, I can do this in my sleep. Um, you know, and she told us about conditioning. I was like, oh, I'm gonna condition my boyfriend and I wore the same (laughs) perfume and like called him at the same time every night because I'm like, what's going to happen is one day when I don't call at nine o'clock. And he called me like, uh, um, what happened to the phone call? Wow. This stuff really works. So I got really excited about psychology and just human behavior. Um, and then that just kind of sparked my interest in thinking about my family. And I'm like, well, you know, what was going on with my family's behavior, you know? And then I just decided, Hey, I'm going to go to school for this and I'm going to decide to work with families because it wasn't just my fault that I turned out the way that I turned out or I was dealing with stuff. I was like, some of this was my mama in them. <laughs> so that's what made me want to go into marriage and family therapy. And um, that's what I did. And that's what I do. So basically, that's how I got here today. That's really dope. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so now we're going to shift our focus into talking about mental health disorders in the Black community. And so I was on Twitter also, this tweet got sent to me multiple times, and all my friends, yes, literally one of my friends, because we do, like, a phone check-in, and mm-hmm. she was like, did you see that tweet? So, I'm going to read y'all what the tweet said, and so this is a, t- a tweet by Janae, and it got thousands of retweets, by the way. Um, so, the tweet said, one day we'll be, we will be open enough to talk, I'm sorry, the tweet said, one day we'll be open to enough to explore schizophrenia and bipolar in the Black community. Right now, y'all are only co- comfy talking about anxiety and depression. Mm. When my friends were sending this to me, I was like, y'all <laughs> sending it to me because y'all know it is true. And like, so many of y'all are sending it to me. Stop yes. sending it to me. But I get it. <laughs> so then that makes me ask you, because I'm sure we all think this. Um, well, not we all, but I'm sure a lot of us think this. So what sparks you to even tweet this? Oh my goodness. So I'm going to be so honest. Uh, Kanye West sparked. That's what I was feeling at the moment. Um, Kanye has identified having bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And what I struggle with in our community is how hard we are going at Kanye. And I think if we understood mental health and mental illness a bit more, we would understand that he's kind of going through a manic phase right now. And I think that if we embrace that, you know, we, we could see that from a clearer lens. Um, and I'm not giving him a pass. And I think that that's where we struggle sometimes in our community. It's like, oh, well, mental health is giving him a pass. He said these kind of things. But I think it's important to understand that 
when you have a bipolar disorder, when you have schizophrenia, your brain chemistry is different and it's not operating in a, in a normal capacity. And that may look different, right? Those thoughts, those conversations that they have may look different and we may not agree, but it's like, how do we hold space and have grace and still say, mm, I just can't, I don't agree, but I also understand that he's going through something within his own right. Okay. Um, and I think the hard part is that he has a platform and that he makes these comments and that, you know, we have a president that is taking advantage of him, if, in my opinion. And so mm-hmm. we're having a hard time holding space for Kanye based on other people and how they're, you know, receiving and acknowledging what he has going on. Um, so that's what made me tweet about it, because I think we can talk about everyone when they talk about depression and anxiety, how we should be there for them, you know, mm-hmm. but when the conversation takes a different turn, um, mm-hmm. we don't want to have it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking that um, because for me, I really do feel like anxiety and depression is those are the things that people talk about constantly. And even those things, I think it's just easier for people to say, oh, yeah, that person is suffering from anxiety and depression versus people talking about, no, actually, that person is suffering from, like you said, like a manic episode mm-hmm. or, you know, um, it might be schizophrenia delusions. Um, but I do understand that everyone doesn't even know what those things mean. And so yeah. I want to ask you, can you define schizophrenia and bipolar diagnoses? And give a few examples of how these symptoms show show up for folks. Yes. Okay. So when we think about schizophrenia, it's a chronic and severe mental disorder. um, And it impacts how people think, how they feel, how they behave. Um, And it's really not that common, but it can really be, you know, debilitating. So people may have hallucinations. They may have delusions, um, you know, movement disorders. Some people may have a flat affect, reduced feelings of pleasure in everyday in life, um, reduced speaking, and they do have a hard time, you know, kind of focusing and paying attention because their brain is really moving at a a rapid pace. Um, You may even find that some people have grandiose um, ideas about things. You know, like I said, those delusions are really, they're strong. Um, They believe those delusions to be true. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time people with schizophrenia are not able to kind of take care of themselves. Um, So they do need that support. They do need a caregiver, if you will, to help them navigate because cognitively, even if they're intelligent, they still may not be able to navigate everyday life and living and they need someone to support them. Okay, so that's schizophrenia. Um, What about bipolar? What would you say about bipolar? Okay, so bipolar disorder is kind of known as a manic and depressive illness. Mm -hmm. It causes like unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity levels, and there are different types of bipolar disorder. So there's a bipolar one, um, and that's defined by manic episodes that last at least seven days. Um, And usually depressive episodes occur as well, and those can typically last at least two weeks. And then you have a bipolar 2, which is defined as a pattern of depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes, but not the full-blown manic episodes described as above. So it's kind of like you can see someone being manic, and they'll be manic for weeks at a time. You know, I remember working with a client, and she would not sleep for days um, because she was just in such a state of manic, and her mania 
would kind of last for like a week at a time. It would be a long time and she would just be, she wouldn't sleep. She would rearrange her room every time we went upstairs to check in on her. It was always different. Um, and then after her mania subsided, she would be in a depressed state for a very mm -hmm. long time and would be sleeping and we would have to go, you know, go in and make sure that she was okay. And so those are the two main types and there are some other um, differentiations within the DSM-5 around it as well. Um, but those are kind of mainly what you see in bipolar. And a lot of people with bipolar, so one, one of the things about bipolar, and I can use Kanye as an example, is you get a lot of energy, right? Mm -hmm. You get a lot of energy from your mania. And so when you're a creative person, I want energy, you know? It's I want great. to be able to keep right. on creating. I want to be able to keep on doing these things. And so right. a lot of the time, we don't necessarily maybe fully recognize bipolar, especially mm -hmm. mania, because if we're in, first of all, if we're in a certain type of career, that could really boost our career right so if you're working in sales real estate music different things like that mm -hmm. mania might really help your career and what happens if my mania is helping to catapult my career am i going to necessarily see it as a bad thing right. i may not am i gonna you know get the treatment or the different things that i need i may not and if i'm in these you know creative type of careers I may not see the point in getting treatment or needing to sleep or needing to do any of these other things. Um, so bipolar disorder, some of those symptoms show up when you're in a manic episode or in a manic phase. You can feel jumpy, you can be agitated, irritable, um, mm -hmm. doing a lot of things, engaging in a lot of risky behavior. You have a lot of energy. Um, and then some of those depressive episodes, very sad, down, empty, low energy, feel like they can't enjoy anything, forgetful, mm -hmm. tired, um, you know, it may even have some thoughts, thoughts of suicide. Most definitely. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, I, I most definitely agree with you as far as like, as far as like the manic or mania episodes, I feel like mm -hmm. you can get benefits from them. And so it's mm -hmm. easy for people to not pay attention to them. People meaning the person who's suffering from it and other folks looking at them because it's like they're they're doing great we you know jobs want you to have that energy you know yes. um so and even like i know sometimes it even shows up like hypersexualized behavior so if you like having mm -hmm. sex all the time ain't that good you know yes. so i feel like um you absolutely hit that one on the nose and then with schizophrenia i feel like that one's the one that most people um are most definitely shy away from and that's the one that people you see the most you know that's uh, mm -hmm. as far as like uh, on the surface level mm -hmm. um, but yeah so why do you believe that we tiptoe around this subject Ooh, um i believe we tiptoe around these two diagnoses in particular um we didn't even get to but personality disorders but that's, oh, that's a whole other topic um <laughs> Cause I'm like, okay, we tiptoe around a lot, but anyway, um, baby steps. So I think we tiptoe around these two diagnoses in particular because the treatment for these two diagnoses are scarce in my opinion. Um, and they require a lot of support. And mm -hmm. so if you look at a traditional black family, we're already stretched thin. I mean, we have a lot going on emotionally. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with white supremacy, right? Like everything. We're not, making enough money in our communities. And so it's hard to decide or say like, oh my gosh, let's talk about, you know, cousin Joe, that's a little off, you know, what, do, what does that mean, right? We'll 
we can handle our families self-medicating or using substances to kind of manage, you know, think that's more acceptable than, you know, talking about schizophrenia. And then that's a whole nother issue because one of the biggest issues is which one comes before the other, you know, does the drug use spark the, you know, the mental, um, the mental stressor or was it there and you began self-medicating because you didn't know what else to do and so now we have this co-occurring diagnosis which we do see quite often in the black community um and we kind of don't even have conversations about co-occurring diagnoses either because we've kind of we haven't glorified substance use but we've made alcoholism okay alcoholism is okay by societal standards always has been and for black people it's been our way of coping um and i think now we're seeing more opioid use and a lot of different things kind of going on and it really it is a mask for a lot of other things that are happening so i do think treatment can be really scarce and there aren't a lot of you know black psychiatrists and black psychologists that when someone is coming in in a manic phase someone can understand them and and talk to them and still be able to connect with them and even when you think about schizophrenia um you have to know how to talk to people and like, like, I mean, seriously, you have to know how to talk to people. And a lot of the clients that I work with that had schizophrenia, you know, they were, they were black. I was black. And so I was able just to get right in there with them and just keep it moving because they're people. But a lot of times people don't know how to handle that. They don't know what to do with that. And it's very uncomfortable to walk into a space and probably one of your most vulnerable states and not see anyone that looks like you not see anyone that will be able to take your history and you know be gentle enough with it while being very firm and clear about what treatment looks like for you and oftentimes our families aren't supportive um not that they don't want to be but maybe they don't have the resources to support um it's because it's a lot it's a lot and i think Oh, it's just a lot of stigma. I'm breathing heavily because it's such a heavy conversation, but I also know it's important to have because there are people in our families that are silently dealing with delusions and hallucinations and trying to mask it or or they're staying home, you know, and they're not really engaging in society because they may not know what to do. Um, So it's layered, but I do think a lot of it is one, we don't talk about it openly enough and two, treatment it's hard, it's forever, and there aren't that many options. Yeah, I'm happy that we're having this conversation just because me on a personal note, I do have an uncle who has schizophrenia and my family kind of has always painted to me that if you ever smoke weed, you will get schizophrenia type of thing. Mm, I always thought that throughout my whole life and all my life my uncle has always been away in a home because he's just been too much for them, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So if I was never in the mental health field, I would always think, oh, if I smoke weed, I'm going to get schizophrenia and I would probably look at other people in the same way. And so just conversations with my family around it, they still hold on to this idea that if you smoke weed, you will turn out this way. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of just placed in this box. Like he's somebody we only interact with when we need to go check on him, which is like mm-hmm. throughout the year. And so other than that, we're not going to talk about him. We're paying for him to be there. So why do we need to discuss this? He's good mm-hmm. with this type of conversation. So I think it's also important that we have this platform and we're sharing this with people because I'm pretty sure I am not the only person that's mm-hmm. probably dealing with something that's very similar to that. 
Yeah. And, you know, as a, as the, um, you know, mental health tech that worked in a place like that, you know, it was rough for families during the holidays and, you know, they were waiting for family to come and family didn't know what to do because I think most of the time when people, people think that when you have these severe mental health diagnoses that it, that you can no longer be family, I guess, or that you're, or that you're banished. And that's not true. I mean, they may not have every capability. They may not remember everything. However, you still being able to show up you, and you'll be surprised with the brains. I'm telling you, I, they were so, I'm like, you guys are so creative. <laughs> and so just like, I would just love talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know what they may be able to remember, you know, or, be able to share with you, even if they can't share all of those memories from before, they can share that memory in that moment, right, mm-hmm. with you at that time. And so it's very difficult. And I think families on the other end of that feel that they can't do anything or be there for this person because their brain is different than theirs. Yeah, I completely agree. So then that makes me ask you, um, how do you think the stigma of these diagnoses impact Black individuals and families? Since we're kind of already touching on it, I want to go into that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think the stigma, you know, like we're kind of just saying, it stops people from being family. It stops them from staying connected. It stops them from showing up or, you know, making sure that their needs are met. Um, one of the biggest ways to care for someone like that is to just kind of see, hey, how are they doing on their medication? Are they still taking their medication? You know, are they having any other, you know, medical issues? Because sometimes medical issues also come along with having different diagnosis because maybe they're not eating as much as they need to eat or, you know, they're not exercising as much as they need to exercise. And so I think we also decide, like I said, that, you know, we can't be there for them and that we can't connect with them or that there can't be any relationship. And it's just that the relationship looks different. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think that the stigma stops us from really having forward moving conversation. And when I say forward moving, I mean, there aren't enough homes, if you will, for people that need support. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel homelessness has a lot to do with trauma and different, you know, undiagnosed mental health, you know, um, issues and, you know, veterans, all these different things. But until we're actually ready to remove the stigma of the conversation and have the larger conversation, we're not going to be able to get people the actual support that they need. We're not going to be able to navigate, you know, the, the correct type of placements. Um, a few years ago, there was this big push and kick to, you know, shut down and close all of these psychic psychiatric hospitals because it was just like oh you know people need to be in recovery and need to go back into the community and I agree but we have to be realistic about people's functioning and we have to be realistic about caregiving and who can actually take care of people because yes ideally you want them to be able to go back into society but you don't want them just roaming the streets if they can't sleep and if they're manic because that's a safety issue. Like it's not just, you know, it's a public health safety issue. Right, and I think everyone else. But yeah, it's exactly for them, for everyone else. Um, there are times where people who are diagnosed or living with a diagnosis, they may not want to take their medication or their bodies reject certain medication. So you need someone there with you to kind of, you know, be monitoring. How's your body responding to this? Um, Does it respond well to this one, but not this one? Does it respond well with this, you know? And we have to think about, when we think about schizophrenia, 
the voices, the internal stimuli, I'll say, because it doesn't always have to be voices. Mm-hmm. Um, it can tell you to do a lot of things. Yeah. And if you really don't know what's going on with yourself, if it's, if it's, you know, if you're at your onset, because schizophrenia and bipolar both have late onsets. Mm-hmm. So let me also add that. So I think the stigma is also a big deal because both of those diagnoses have late onsets, which means they happen later on in life. They don't happen at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, not even 20. They happen around 25 mm-hmm. and up. Yep. And so you're living your life, you know, thinking you're living your life and then you may have a late onset of a psychiatric diagnosis. And most of the time it's shocking to people. Uh, most of the time it comes as, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? Because you've lived your life one way. It's one thing if maybe someone was diagnosed early on, you know, they may be diagnosed with like a spectrum disorder or something like this. It's kind of like, okay, I've learned to live with this. I've learned to be okay. But it's another thing for you and your functioning to be one way. And then at 25, 28, boom, a complete difference. Mm-hmm. And you're almost not able to recognize yourself <laughs> and you're not able to do anything. And for your family, similar. It's like, oh, you're almost 30. And now you're, you know, you're, you're having internal stimuli and can't, you know, function. Right. So it's, it's, <sighs> the stigma is a, is a loaded question, but I do think not talking about it not talking about it is actually keeping us holding us back from healing and just moving forward and accepting, you know, the various parts of us as, as a people. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now I want to transition into our last question. Um, how do you feel that we should approach this conversation for those who are not in the mental health field in regards to both themselves and family members? Like what are some pointers that you have? Um, so I think one way to address this is by asking yourself, what are the messages that you've learned over your lifetime around Black people and mental health? Um, because we've all heard it. And it's subtle things like what happens in this house stays in this house, right? So that kind of tells us we can't share what's going on. Secrets are important. Secrets kill people. Um, so, you know, we really should be thinking and challenging our thoughts and the messaging that our family has passed down to us around mental health around emotional wellness um and i think that's the that's the biggest thing because we get our we get our main messaging from our from our family of origin Mm -hmm. and so i think we have to stop and think about okay did my family ever talk about this did my family ever you know did we have a cousin or uncle or aunt that everybody just kind of said was off or different but nobody explained that so really just thinking about your family and the messaging that you received and, and starting and start to challenge what you were told um, about mental health and just do some research, you know? I mean, you can Google the smallest of things and get the largest of, you know, search results, but definitely start with your own family messaging. That would be my first step. Okay, most definitely. You kind of going into into it but like at at the end of our episodes we always like to give our listeners and ourselves takeaways because we want to practice these things and so what would you say overall your takeaways would be to us and our listeners okay so again challenging family messaging so thinking about the messages that your family um you know gave you about mental health um, the other thing I thought that this, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good takeaway, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
just mm-hmm. kind of research, researching some celebrities that have been open about having a mental health diagnosis. Um, just see, just kind of like see who's out there, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I did a, <laughs> did a project in grad school on DMX. I was in child psychopathology and I was like, who can I find? I was like, and I loved DMX growing up. And then I found a clip. And when I looked at his story and his trauma, his substance use became very clear to me. And it became like, I see why he was self-medicating, right? So Mm -hmm. I would do some research on different celebrities that have had a mental health diagnosis and just kind of, if they have any interviews, listen to the interviews, just listen to how they, you know, speak about their first life, their real life experience, because I think it's easy to listen to a clinician or, you know, a therapist, all these people who kind of have all this fancy lingo, but it's totally different to hear it from somebody's perspective when they're actually living it. So doing some research just to see if there's somebody, or even somebody that you know, you may look that up and notice like, oh, I really love Jennifer Lewis. I didn't know she was going through that or, oh, you know, okay. Um, So that would be the other thing. Um, The third thing I would say is support like a local organization um, in your area that just any, just any type of cause, because I think when you connect to any type of cause, you get to see a bunch of different things happening in the community. So I would also say, you know, finding a local nonprofit where you could potentially volunteer and see how you can just provide some service, um, time, or, you know, monetary donation if possible, because all of those resources help fill in the gaps, you know, where larger society has dropped the ball, um, and so, yeah, I would, I think those are three takeaways. So I think those would be some just good, very, you know, basic level, not a lot of effort, you know, mm-hmm. takeaways. Thank you so much for that, Janae. We really enjoy hearing you like talk about this because it's super important, like I said, for us to have conversations about these topics. And for my friends who blew me up. <laughs> hey, friends. Thanks. I can hear more in depth. So yeah, thank you for that. You are so welcome. Thank you for deciding to, you know, take take this on <laughs> because it's definitely a conversation that we have to have. Um, people that are living with schizophrenia and bipolar are still people mm-hmm. and they still need love and our support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you so much. And we'll share Thank with you. you Bye. Out here. Bye. Okay. So you all, after hearing, uh, or as I was listening to Janae speak, it just made me think about, um, like, how much I love clients that are suffering from schizophrenia. So I've been working with clients suffering from schizophrenia since, you know, 2016. That was where my practicing was at. And I actually worked in a clinic. Um, I worked in a program for ages 10 to 25, actually, because it is very rare to be experiencing schizophrenia symptoms at that time, but it is possible. And so what I did um, at this program, we were, we were trying to, um, we were trying to help these clients before they became full-blown schizophrenia. Um, And so a lot of times it's genetics. And then also like, uh, like Janae was saying, you can be induced from a a numerous, numerous amount of things. So you can be induced from something that happened very traumatic to you. uh, But also, like Myra was saying, substances. So people think that weed is so, um, that weed is not that big of a deal. 
but it is for certain people. Some people, it can actually induce schizophrenia, bipolar, depressive, anxiety, but then some people, it doesn't. So it's one of those things where you just kind of don't know. It just depends on how that person's brain and body chemistry is. Um, but I say this to say this, my clients who have suffered from schizophrenia, the young ones and even the ones who are older, they usually the smartest people. Like some stuff they be saying obviously is delusional and it's like, okay, you know, that's not real. Like, you know, the aliens didn't abduct you like, the, you know, okay. But some stuff, like I'd be like, like they get deep and it'd be, it's just very interesting. Like it just be a very interesting conversation. So I love my clients suffering from schizophrenia. A lot of times they just want to talk. Um, but like Janae was saying, a lot of it is, you know, is needed. A lot of their symptoms um, are managed through medication and support from others. Um, so that's something that I just had to say just because it just sparked us. Like, wow, like I really love those clients. But all right, so um, so we're gonna go to our ending segments um, where we kind of discuss events and things. So, Marva, you want to go ahead? Yeah, so I'll share with y'all a web series. It's called Giants. So I don't know if y'all know, but Israe has a channel on YouTube, and she shares um, local people who are filmmakers every Sunday. That's great. But Giants covers. Um, topics like anxiety, depression, and bipolar. So feel free to check that out. And I'll also share with y'all um, the discount of the week. So it's flights to Barcelona. Um, and once you go to Barcelona, you can go to Ibiza for $12 and a bunch of other places for under $20. So feel free to check that out. Okay. And then also just a resource, if you live in the Los Angeles area, you have NAMI, Urban Los Angeles. It's kind of like Valamur Park and they help uh, with workshops dealing with families and even those suffering from ser serious illness and last but not least we have an event in louisville kentucky december 30th it's monday 6 p.m to 8 p.m it's a free event you all y'all better get the ticket y'all have to register it's freaking free why wouldn't you get it so come out have a good time with other black women and let's heal so we might as well share that we're gonna have three circles next year we're gonna have one in february in la one in March in San Diego, and one in May in Philly. And for more details about that, check out our Instagram. I'm not going to share everything on here. Um, so make sure you check that out on Instagram. Tickets will be posted very soon. And we want to thank y'all for tuning into this week's podcast. We know that this was a heavy topic for some. I mean, it was heavy for me. I mean, I disclosed a little bit. So we want to remind y'all to take care of yourself, continue to work on your healing, and we'll be back with y'all next week.